Where do you want to record this? I don't know. Somewhere. Hey, everyone. <laughs> Welcome to Yeah But the Podcast. My name is Vivian Gabor. I'm totally in a full face of makeup right now. And I'm <laughs> so excited because I get to sit down with two of the coolest people on the planet. Um, I'm here with Kim Douthit and Gabby Fiore. Is that how you say your name? Yes, you nailed it. Yes. <laughs> um, Kim and I go back a long ways. Long if you've ways. listened to some of my earlier podcasts, there are definitely a couple episodes with her. There's mm-hmm. even a lost episode with Kim. I don't know where it went. <laughs> I it forgot about that. Literally disappeared because it didn't <laughs> work very well. It recorded incorrectly. Listening. So yeah. <laughs> and then Gabby, I'm just talking to you for the first time. So excited. Kim and Gabby have their own podcast called Ghoulish Tendencies, which I listen to faithfully, literally every day as soon as it comes out, I download and listen. Um, Thank you. You should check that out. But I invited them onto my podcast today um, because it's Pride Month and we all love true crime. And I thought it would be a good time to talk about some spooky, scary but also like real life shit. (laughs) (laughs) Yay, real life shit. Yay. (laughs) Um, So we are going to be talking about the um, murder, specifically the murder of Addison Verrill, um, but we will be talking about Paul Bateson because he's kind of the through thread. I just like to lead with the name of the victim rather than the name of the the killer. because Paul Bateson is a very interesting character that may or may not have lots of other victims as well. I have opinions on that. Kim has always <laughs> lots of opinions. Yeah, me too. I I used to have even stronger opinions, and now my opinions are a little bit more wishy-washy. Well, and partially because, <laughs> uh, I mean, even like, is I didn't do the the full deep dive that I would do if if we were recording this uh, mm-hmm. partially just for time but I'm familiar with the case but when I was reviewing my facts I was like oh yeah you can't find the transcript for his trial even no everything's um, gone that's shady everything's gone that's shady as shit okay. I can say shit right you you can say every word you can think of <laughs> oh, no. okay not every word you can think of there are some that I <laughs> that I draw the line at because we are all white in this chat right now but Oh, I was thinking like cunt muncher, but sure. Oh my God, that's I mean, my new favorite Kim phrase. <laughs> <laughs> I great, allow that one phrase. because you're, <laughs> yes. you are a possessor of such. <laughs> Kim Douthit, cunt muncher. <laughs> hi, mom. Just hi, get dad. That out of the way at the top. <laughs> Should be your new Instagram name. Oh, totally no. I'm sure all the teens that follow me will love that. 
<laughs> all of the businesses you work for. Um, Kim, mm. we're going to need you, you can to follow me at your Instagram name. On I full out. Wait, this is a tangent, but I full out recently had uh, those of you. Uh, on on yeah, but probably don't know this, but I I teach theater. That's how Vivian and I first met. Yeah, back when I was a legit theater person. When you were a legit theater person, and I recently had a parent who admitted to stalking me on Instagram oh. before they signed their kid up for one of my classes, and I definitely oh. had this moment where I like was mentally thinking through all my Instagram posts, and I'm like, well, no, because I know some of my teen students follow me, so. There's nothing on there I'm embarrassed by, mm -hmm. but it's the first time I ever had a parent flat out say it, and it yeah. it was jarring. It it threw me. Yeah, I, I just, can understand that. Oh, <laughs> yeah, but at least your Instagram okay. name wasn't Cunt Munchers. So. Cunt Munchers. <laughs> I know, but part of me wishes it was because they would have they would have deserved that. And at least you didn't have parents going to the company that you worked for saying that they were super homophobic and anti drag. But oh okay. no. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know that's true. That's, that's why true. I ended up quitting. Um <laughs> anyway, Ooh, moving. That's a tea I didn't know about. You just <laughs> spill that tea. <laughs> no more tea. No except for the tea that I'm currently I drinking. I was gonna say, just, aren't you still drinking tea? Skin skin detox tea. It's rose oh. and hibiscus. It's delicious. Yum. Um, but yeah, so we I have long been fascinated by this case. Mm -hmm. um, I heard about it, I don't know, like five, six years ago was the first time I'd really heard about it. Um, and it was, I don't remember which podcast it was on. I think it was on like Sword and Scale or something like really mm -hmm. like intense. So I didn't go back and listen to that because it, it can, there's too much information sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, but I got a lot of information. I'm just going to at the top just say where my sources are. Mm hmm um, of course, Wikipedia, because it's a good place to start any kind of research. Yeah. Um, there's a website called IDidItForJody.com. Oh, I looked at that one, too. Um, and then um, I read a New York Times article from 1973. Um, got some information from a website called AlexZola.com. Um, and then a couple of Village Voice articles as well. Um, Get your sources. Which was so exciting because I've heard about the Village Voice for so long and I've never actually read it. And every article, like every, it's, I want to say episode, but it's on paper. Article? <laughs> issue? issue? Every issue, thank you. Every issue online. It's funny um, to me that, on you've, Google that, News. that you've not uh, Village Voiced before. Um, I have not. I've lived in Brooklyn and Queens and spend zero time in Greenwich Village. I see. I feel like because when I lived in New York, I think I read it like I'd read The Stranger now. Because oh. um, it was just around. So you would yeah. you'd be at an audition and you'd pick up a copy and just read because people would, would mean read it that everywhere. you would have to go out and do things. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> I used to go out and do things, oh, not just no. but when I lived in New York, I was actually like <sighs> a human person that did things. Yeah. I remember. And I. I uh, didn't realize how triggering this could be for me because I'm the kind of person like I couldn't I couldn't watch the Ted Bundy but the Ted Bundy tapes because mm. um, they're talking about streets that I literally would walk down daily when I lived on Capitol Hill and stuff like that and it was just very triggering and so when I started researching this. <laughs> And I've realized, wait, I know where all of these things are. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I know where all of these bars used to be. And the bar, I was going to say the bars, yeah. Well, the... 
I mean, none of them exist anymore. No, no, but no. All of the but... buildings are there, and one of the bars I think is a current bar, but we'll get there. Um, anyway, also launching in, Paul Bateson was born on August twenty fourth, nineteen forty. My birthday is August 27th, Ooh, 1990. That's close. Ooh. Almost exactly 50 years later. Um, Does that mean was, you're, you're the same astrological sign then? Uh, no. So no? August 24th Ooh. would be the very last day of Leo, I believe. And I'm like two or <gasps> three bitches, days I'm into a Leo. Virgo. Oh. Take yep. my Leo from me. Um, but he was born in Lansdale, Pennsylvania. That will mm. be important later. So remember that. Noted. Um. There's no information that I could find about his mother, uh, but his he is his father was a metallurgist, mm-hmm. which I had to look up, and it's just someone who like studies the chemical makeup of metals mm. and such things. Um, he served in the army in the early sixties. I have so many pages of notes, so <laughs> I'm going to try not to focus on them too much. <laughs> um, served in the army in the early sixties. Um, and he, where he was stationed in Germany, which is also where he started drinking heavily. Because mm-hmm. what else do you do when you're in the army? In Germany. Like, in Germany. 20 years after World War II in Germany. I was going to say, yeah. Like today <laughs> I could offer up a couple different things. But in the 70s or the six, I guess the 60s. In the early 60s. Like the 60s there yeah. wasn't much going on there except for Reconstruction. Yeah. Um, and then, so he moved to New York in 1964. He was 24 years old which I can only imagine how fun New York would have been in 1964. Cause you still would have been like, it would have been the height of when Times Square was like porno theaters and I was gonna say girls, porn, girls, porn, girls, porn. and like <laughs> peep shows and stuff like that. Like that's when Times Square was cool. So to be like, in your fair, I mean, like it didn't get super cleaned up till Giuliani. And that was the in the nineties. Right. Yeah, so it still had a couple decades of being, Ugh. Why am I the age Viv- I am? Vivian, Vivian, cool. <laughs> Your quote's cool. I think it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, uh, prostitution was very cool. <laughs> sex work. Sex, sex work. work. Sorry. Um, <laughs> My, no, um, I, I'm working on that one. That that, that I've yeah, been working on that one. Yeah. No, yeah. Totally. I mean, I still use that word when it's talking when we're talking about like children. Because that's not mm. when it's sex work. Right, I don't know right, if that's right. exactly how we're, we're supposed to talk about it. <laughs> yes, there's the word. Uh, uh, <laughs> no, no. If, if it's yeah. if sex work is, is trafficking. Yeah, yeah. yeah because um, they can't choose to work. Um, no, it's it's retraining what was the common phrase when I was growing up, which mm. is prostitution, to the more respectful phrase, which is sex working and yeah. sex workers. And, and sometimes, especially when you're reading the older articles. Uh, so hard to, yeah. Yeah, no, hard that's one I have to actively vocab. work towards. Mm-hmm. Um, so 1964, when he moved there, he also met his first boyfriend, mm-hmm. um, who I couldn't find his name. So good for him staying out of the history books. Um, Although it wasn't hard during that time. That's what she true. Said. And, <laughs> 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 and both of them were hardcore alcoholics. Um, so that must have been a great, healthy relationship. Oh, yeah. I can only imagine. Sounds great. Um, they also were noted as having partied a lot at both the Pierre, 
which is a very, very fancy hotel on 61st and 5th. Well, and didn't weren't they big Fire Island people? They were. So yeah. they, they partied at the Pier and Cherry Grove. And I personally have not been to Fire Island, um, partially because I'm not that confident in my body. Um, and it's really far away and I'm too lazy. Um, <laughs> Fair. <laughs> but I checked with people and Cherry Grove is like the more like family oriented as it's been yeah. told to me, the lesbian side of Fire Island, <laughs> um, where, where parties were a little less about the, the like sexual debauchery and more about right. the we're really fancy and we're going to spend lots of money on alcohol. And, and we're accepted too. I think. That's yeah, exactly. We're accepted. Yeah. Um, so at this point, he wasn't necessarily a low life. They were actually fairly like at least pretending to be wealthy pretending to they were putting on those airs of being socialites in new york mm -hmm. um and for anyone who's been to new york if you've been to like the bottom of central park you've seen the pierre it's the super tall tower hotel that's right on the eastern side i know my directions <laughs> i don't know directions it's, it's like it's like it's like 61st street or something like that yeah <laughs> the opposite side of Trump Tower. <laughs> um, so then things were kind of whatever for about five years. I didn't find much information about most of his time. He was just drinking, had a boyfriend. Well, and his, were... his brother, didn't his brother kill himself? Yes. Oh. So in 1969, his brother died from suicide and yeah. his mother died from a stroke in the same mm, year. Okay. That's so sad. Um, yeah. Um, it's... I'm honestly, it was probably a very like triggered a lot of what happened in the rest of his life because up till then he didn't seem like I didn't find any information that he was a like delinquent or that he was a terrible person. He what? was just kind of an alcoholic and that was it. He was an alcoholic. I mean, that was the thing. If you look at how people talked about him, even after the fact, that was all his thing. Everyone's like, he was a nice guy. Yeah. He was he was nice. He was he was quiet. He was he seemed fine. The, yeah. It was a big surprise when. Well, I mean, everything... when Friedkin and we'll get into that later, but when yeah. Friedkin talked about him, he always said he was completely thrown off by the fact that yeah. he did that because he was such a great guy. Um, Which I find interesting for a number of reasons, but we'll get into that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so. 1969, all of that happens. Then 1972 is when he appeared in The Exorcist. <laughs> yes. um, that was because he became a neurological, radio, radio, uh, neurological radiological <laughs> technician. Yeah. Um, and began and began working at NYU Medical mm -hmm. Center, which is a huge deal. Like it's a great place. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the fact, the part of this whole thing that really got me was he was living in Borough Park in Brooklyn at the time, mm. which is about a 20 minute walk from where I used to live in Brooklyn. So, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I looked up his old address and I was like, no, what? <laughs> what if it was like the same building that you lived in? That would be really Oh, I would have. I would have freaked out. <laughs> I love that. See, I'm like, I love that shit. I know Kim's like, I'm right. moving in. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, he lived over in blood territory. Um, and he, uh, so that's also, so when he started working at NYUMC is when he broke up with his boyfriend at the time, um, who he later said, he was quoted as saying that he, oh wait, I have the actual quote. 
I'm not exclusively gay. I just float in this world. Is that Which, like a fancy way of saying bisexual or is that not? I being think it's a fancy himself? way of saying he's not to terms with himself. Okay. Or just not I mean, labelable, if that's a thing. Well, not labelable. I mean, there's absolutely a good chance he was pan and there wasn't the mm -hmm. word for yeah. it. There's a good chance that he was bi. Um, judging by the places that he's spent most of his time, though, he was probably just gay and didn't want to admit it because all fair. of the places he was known to be regulars were all leather bars. And this was still a rough time. I mean, even in New York mm. City, you're experiencing discrimination. Um, so I can understand where, especially coming out of the army. Yeah. Oh, God, I can't even imagine, because that was before even Don't Ask, Don't Tell. That was... Oh, God, that was don't. That was like... <laughs> yeah, that, was just, that was just don't ever. <laughs> just don't, just don't. Or, or where they played it off as, as some kind of like, you know, what's in the army stays in the army kind of thing. That was where if you were a homosexual, you would go to the Navy. Pants <laughs> <laughs> are tighter. And, I'm old, <laughs> and I was only saying that because that was my only choice if I were to do it. Oh, <laughs> I, I thought about the Navy because, I mean, I love the ocean and I love being trapped with hundreds of men. Um, in the Navy. <laughs> your fellow men. You could be a seaman. <laughs> we, want you, we want you. We want you as a new recruit. Good time. We, we, we lost him. That, that's uh, normal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. It's the wine talking. <laughs> um, so, and then in 1975, so this is two years after he started working at NYUMC, um, he was let go mm -hmm. um, because of his excessive drinking. Mm -hmm. He was no longer useful as a technician. Strange. I wonder Doing why. angiograms, you might want to be sober. <laughs> oh, is he? Didn't he say something like, "Nobody likes a drunk"? Yeah. Yeah. Wasn't that exact he even said he that said. about himself. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think he said that to Friedkin when Friedkin uh, interviewed him. It was either Friedkin sense. or Bell. Um, and that was when he moved to Greenwich Village, um, where he lived closer to what we would know now as Flatiron. So he was like, Oh, okay. Well, no, sorry, thinking of the wrong part of the story. He lives. Uh, in Union Square area on 12th Street. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I love that um, So like the very <laughs> edge of Greenwich Village. Right, 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 um, right. And he became, he like floated around job to job and became mm -hmm. a ticket taker at one of those infamous porno theaters. Nice. Um, and he also started attending AA for the first time. Mm -hmm. But if you, uh, no. <laughs> it really didn't stick, especially because his reason for doing it was to meet a new boyfriend. I mean, you gotta do what you gotta do, right? You <laughs> wanna meet people. I mean, I guess. <laughs> if you don't have a job, you gotta meet someone at AA. Um, <laughs> that could be their new slogan. <laughs> um, and then, let's see, 1977, so two years after that, he abandoned AA. Um, and was quoted as drinking up to a quart of vodka a day. A quart of a, vodka a, a day? A quart. I'm of sorry, vodka. my my liver <laughs> just cringed. Um, he said that he would start with a shot or two to give himself, like which it. I found interesting. He would give he would start with a shot or two to like build up his confidence to go out, mm, and okay. then he would fall off the wagon and just finish the whole quart that night. Oh, that's. Which it's like, like if you know that's at that point, you're just yeah. pickled. And I feel like if you know that's your problem, why are you buying the quart jug and not like 
individual like airplane sizes yes they're so sweet and cute and you just but technically doesn't that waste more material like isn't it waste it's the 70s gavity nobody cares nobody cares yes but at the same time portion control Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, but he had also been attending leather bars since 1970 Mm. Um, so once his mother and brother died is when he started going out. Um, so he probably, that's when he felt comfortable to like express himself and who he was, was when he didn't have anyone that he felt like he would disappoint. Sure. Um, but he went exclusively to leather bars is what I read. Mm. Um, and he was quoted as saying, and this is what really gets me and why also why I say that he was probably exclusively gay in reality was he was quoted as saying leather impresses me uh he went on to compare it um as the opposite of drag and being swishy and said those Hmm. people give gays a bad name like any extreme good group would Hmm. so he was absolutely a mask for mask gay um but like Xena Warrior Princess wore leather and I like her thighs (laughs) (laughs) I'm just I'm just saying I I have to find a way to work Xena Warrior Princess's thighs. I'm it, totally okay with that. It's almost like her thighs. Talk about everything. her thighs being on Sasquatch with <laughs> just a bit, <laughs> just a bit of uh, Mads. You know, having a little bit of Hannibal, little bit of Sasquatch, and the th- <laughs> yeah, that is the perfect type for. Isn't that just Lucy Lawless when she doesn't shave her legs? I mean, really? <laughs> Does she have the same cheekbones, though? I don't know. Oh, that's true. Uh, Mads, Mads does have magnificent <laughs> cheekbones. Anywho, sorry to derail, but anytime she brings up I love signs. derailments. My entire podcast is about derailments and bunny trails. It's like every- I don't shoot the bunny on my podcast. We shoot oh, the bunny good. all the time on our podcast, so I appreciate you letting the bunny roam. I'm a vegetarian. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't stop you from being obsessed with, you know, <laughs> homicides. <laughs> oh, people are different. Soylent, soylent green, give it over. I don't care. Sure, Hannibal. <laughs> <laughs> Eat the root. <laughs> um, so this all leads us up to the moment that we are here to talk about. September 14th, 1977. Addison Verrill, who is a film reporter for Variety... Mm-hmm. Um, was found dead in his apartment on Horatio Street, which is almost directly next to the Whitney Museum. Um, he had been beaten and stabbed, um, but nothing of value was taken and there was no uh, evidence of forced entry. Well, his, his, his money was taken in his wallet or his... Uh, yes, his so the original, the original report said nothing was taken and we later find out that $57 had been taken, mm-hmm. his passport had been taken, and some clothing had been taken. And wasn't he... Uh, I know this is terrible, but I'm going to say it. <laughs> oh, oh, no. It was like, this is your brain. This is your brain on drugs. Cast iron skillet, or cast iron skillet, is what yes. he used to bludgeon him. Yes. Yeah. Um, but we'll get into that a little bit more when we get to the confession. Okay. Um, I, I will say something was a little upsetting uh, when I was when I was kind of reviewing this case. Um, is every search for him the name that comes up? 
is you mean Addison? Yeah, yeah, for Addison yeah. Verrill. If you search for Addison Verrill, there he does not have a Wikipedia page. He does not have stuff of his own. Even his find a grave, because I sometimes use find a graves to get mm. some like see if family or something has left something. Yeah. It's all about the murder and about Bateson. And mm. I just that's something that always bothers me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, completely. Uh, and it's a problem on the victims. Yeah, it's a real problem in true crime that this this hyper focus only on the killers and not on the people who were murdered. Yeah. And there were two aspects of the murder that the police didn't release to the public as is common. They usually leave one or two things out to help weed out fake confessions. Um, I'm trying to remember one of them. It's in my notes somewhere. Um, the, the main one that stuck in my mind was that the place was basically covered in Crisco. In Crisco? Oh, that's in a detail Crisco. I didn't know. I'm because sorry, in Crisco? Crisco, because in 1970s, that was the oh. most common lube. Oh, was I was going to yeah. say, was it making fried chicken? What's? <laughs> no, it's because no. they didn't have like silicone-based lubes and stuff yeah. like that. Uh, the, and water-based ones were really expensive, so mm-hmm. they used Crisco. Yeah, yeah, no, um, kitchen But oil. the yeah. police didn't say that. And specifically, there was like a bunch of Crisco on the door frame leading outside. Mm. Um, but no prints. But no prints, just smeared Crisco. Interesting. <laughs> Which is just like, that seems if, you have to use, if you have to use that much, maybe <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> well, it's, it's this idea of like, uh, you know, how much do you need? Like, yeah, lube up. But if you're using the whole bottle, I feel like you're doing it wrong. I mean, he clearly <laughs> had issues with portion control, right? With alcohol, not with Crisco That's too. True. So, you know, maybe But there's a, a difference thing. between like oiled up and glistening and just ready to be roasted. But he was going to like slip and slide. Tomato, tomato, <laughs> right? I mean, maybe he just really Basically. wanted to get that speed. Get really fast. Um, so, so when Veril was found murdered because it's pretty clear that he it wasn't self-inflicted um his friend arthur bell um who was a freelance writer who wrote for the village voice wrote an article um about addison verrill um calling attention to specifically that case but then also how many murders of gay men were happening in greenwich village specifically over the last couple of years it was, it's it's similar to um i mean it's it's a marginalized group uh yeah. the same way that that ridgeway targeted sex workers absolutely um or robert yates targeted sex workers or or even Dahmer targeting men who didn't speak english <laughs> right yep finding All, the weak I ones mean, yeah absolutely yeah. and whoever was the one killing them they were all the thing to note is there were basically two modus operandi happening mm-hmm. Mo- modi operandi happening um moduses modi <laughs> modi <laughs> i don't know my apologies to my latin teacher <laughs> <laughs> um there, there were two two of those happening at the same time at in that era there were about eight people who were murdered by bludgeoning and stabbing in their homes and there were six people who were murdered, dismembered, and put in bags and thrown into the river. Like Bob uh, style. Yeah. 
um, the River Murders, which it's the name that stuck in my head and why I always remember this. It actually took me forever to start remembering Paul Bateson's name. Um, mm. But the the police, the only information they had on each of those murders was basically held in a single manila envelope Yeah, that had Sharpie written on it or whatever pen they used at the time rip, written on it saying fag in a bag. Yeah. And there was no investigation done. There were just, there was information about six people found cut up in bags on the shore of the river. Um, I find it very interesting that the place where they were washing up is also the future place of where Marsha P. Johnson was found in the river. Mm, I didn't Um, realize that. That's also right next to one of the bars that we'll be talking about here in a little bit. It's right where Mm. Christopher Street meets the piers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, huh. It's Marsha P. Johnson Memorial Park, yeah, uh, because that's where she was found. I find that very interesting that there's a correlation there. Um, so Arthur Bell releases this article in the Village Voice. He and he gets a call the next day, not just a call. the The secretary of the Village Voice gets five calls from an anonymous caller. She eventually calls Bell and says, this guy wants to talk to you. Do you want to talk to him? And he's like, yeah, I'm a journalist. I want a story. Um, So (laughs) she gives him Bell's number. He calls Bell. Um, And Bell's second article for the Village Voice literally just details what they talked about. Um, And he started the conversation um, who the, the caller who is assumed to be Paul Bateson, started the conversation with, I like your story and I like your writing, but I'm not a psychopath. Yeah. (laughs) That's one way to put it. I'm not a psychopath. (laughs) I'm not a psychopath. But you're a great writer. (laughs) But I'm a big fan. Uh, Nothing but love. Um, He then went on to say, I'm gay and I needed money and I'm an alcoholic. Um... And then he went on to confess exactly what happened with Addison Farrell. Um, He had been sober for three months. He went to a bar called Badlands, which the only information, every single bar that was mentioned, I went online and like searched for and tried to figure out where it was. Badlands, the only information I could find is that it was on the, the, where Christopher Street and the peers meet. Right. which is exactly where all those bodies were showing up, which is where Marsha was found, etc. It also, there is a gay bar there still, and that's Rock Bar. And I'm wondering if that's the same place. I couldn't find any information saying, but it makes sense that mm. there are a lot of gay bars in New York that just kind of turn over, change names, change owners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it would make sense that it's probably the same building. And I've been there, and it's creepy. So, (laughs) so anyway, um, he went to Badlands, um, where he met Veril. Veril offered him a beer because he had said that he hadn't had money for alcohol for three months and he just wanted a drink. So Veril bought him a beer, which turned into several beers, which turned into going to the bathroom and doing coke and doing poppers. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's the 70s. It's the 70s in a gay bar. Leads to I say that like I was alive then. It was the 70s. 
the 70s. It's the 70s. What'd you do? Um, so at that point, they were fairly high, fairly drunk. Um, I have never personally done poppers, but I bet they were feeling really good. I just like saying the word poppers. 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 I like poppers. I like KFC poppers. <laughs> a little bit different. Just a smidge. I like popcorn. Is that yes. <laughs> um, and so then after that, they then went to a bar called the Mine Shaft, mm. um, which is two blocks north of where Addison Verrill lived. Mm-hmm. Um, again, right next to the Whitney, and is in fact now a place called the Sugar Factory. <laughs> um, and if you ever want an ice cream anything, go there. It's so good. I tried to get a brunch. Oh, show there. it's like actual sugar. <laughs> oh, you were yeah. saying it was another bar named I know, the Sugar I was Factory. Like, oh, no, it's an ice cream parlor. I was like, like that's apt. Like they have tons of milkshakes and sun- anyway, I'm not sponsored. <laughs> I'm also I'm slightly bitter at them actually because I tried to get a drag brunch there and they didn't get back to me. Bitches. Um, right. But if you want to go to the mine shaft, just go and get ice cream at sugar at the sugar factory. Or you have get ice cream. your mine shafted by sugar <laughs> at the factory. I mean, some of those milkshakes come with very long lollipops. You know, what you do at home is your your own. <laughs> I'm not judging. It's a comment these days. Um, so they went there. They did more drugs. They did more alcohol. All of that kind of shit. And what I find really interesting about this, so bear in mind that Addison Verrill lived two blocks away. Mm-hmm. The caller says that two hours after getting to the mine shaft, they call a taxi and go back to Verrill's place. So that tells me just how far gone they were, that they couldn't even walk two blocks, that they had to have a driver mm-hmm. take and them. And to get somebody take them home. Also, Ooh. Yeah. What shoes were they wearing? Because you know, <laughs> if they had like really uncomfortable shoes, I get it. I've been there, man. <laughs> it's also New York where you take a taxi two blocks because you don't want to walk. See, I was a, I was the New Yorker that was like, it's 20 blocks away. Let's just walk. Oh, that's, yeah, that's the kind I am. I'm, yes. I'm no. not New York. I don't want to spend almost $3 on a subway ride. I'm going to walk all the way from Columbus Circle to, uh, the garment district. Why not? If I had time to kill, that's what I always do. I was like, oh, I've got 40 minutes for I have to be there. I'll just walk. Yeah. Y'all are crazy. Um, so they get to Veril's apartment where apparently they do more drugs because cocaine. It's everywhere. It's easy to get mm. in the 70s. So why not do even more of it? Mm. Um, and then they end up having sex at 7.30 a.m. Oh my God. 7.30. I don't know how they were still awake because I'm not even 30 yet. The and cocaine. Fall they were awake midnight. because of the cocaine. That's fair. That's fair. They were both 36 at the time. Just I'm tired, man. Head. Cocaine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so clearly we don't cocaine. have cocaine in our lives. Listen, I, I, don't, I don't do cocaine. My ex used to do cocaine and yeah, it was the cocaine. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Good to know. And probably the poppers mixed in there too, making them. A that little, was that was the, that little bit of extra which also something. if they were doing that many like that much poppers, I never know what how to describe that many poppers that much poppers. <laughs> I think many. obviously I'm obviously I'm not a uh, circuit gay, but if they had that in their systems, why did they need so much Crisco? 
That's my question. <laughs> Maybe they used them in, you know, like the perfect storm. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen that movie. No, the perfect storm means that it's like everything's storm. happening but, at the same oh. time. It's the perfect storm. I'm not literally referencing the well, movie. Well, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Like, I don't know how the the of poppers with the cocaine that they may have kind of canceled the effect of. I mean, that's fair. Out. That's very fair. Plus the alcohol. Like, talk about mixing your downers oh, and your uppers. Yeah, like, that's not. That's not they a even, great combo. They even say when you do poppers, you shouldn't take um, ED medication because it will cause a heart attack. So I can only imagine like how close to death both of them were. Just by virtue of what they were doing. The combination of drugs alone. Um, so they end up having sex at 7.30. Um, and then the caller was quoted as saying, I need money and I hated rejection because apparently um, Addison Verrill was in it for the quick fuck and didn't want a relationship and wasn't like engaged during sex enough for the caller after alcohol coke, right. and poppers at 7 30 in the morning <laughs> like i'm gonna be totally into that sex at that point not so, like all. communication guys at all i'd yeah. be like can we just cuddle <laughs> can you just go let's discuss um, our needs but Dude, apparently Veril set wasn't as into it and wasn't up for doing it another time um so whoever so whoever the caller was um went to the kitchen Although I will say Bateson did admit to all of this, but we also don't know if he was coerced because we don't have the transcripts. I, I was going to say, because he, he would later maintain that he didn't do it. And he, specifically with the other murders, this one he did oh. confess to, um, to Bell and to Freak. Right. Well, but he also would later say he never made the calls. Okay, that's fair. Um, and and that he called a second time, but it was really the first time. There was a whole thing mm. with him saying he never made that initial phone call. Interesting. Um, but I interrupted you. I apologize. No. <laughs> Whatever. I interrupt uh, enough people in my life. I figure I can handle a few interruptions. <laughs> I'm just slightly ADD, and I I move on to the next subject before people stop talking it's never it's never <laughs> intentional um so whoever the caller was went to the kitchen found the heaviest frying pan they could and whacked addison barrel over the head with it knocking him out then went back to the kitchen grabbed the largest knife they could find and stabbed addison as far as i can tell once um, yeah yeah once uh but too high is what it I was, was too high. I read. Yeah, it was, so he it didn't was, hit the heart. He was aiming for the heart, but he didn't get the heart. Which means Addison Verrill probably died from a heart attack or from bleeding out. Because if your body goes through that kind of trauma when you're on Plus that much. the drugs? Well, that's what I was going to yeah. say. Yeah, with the Again. drugs and the alcohol. And then your body goes through that kind of trauma. I'm guessing he probably had a heart attack. Well, a head trauma too, man. Head trauma is like. Oh, yeah. A, 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 a skillet to the head that could do it that could oh, do that's, it that's like the whole joke of this is your brain on drugs but they were literally on <laughs> all the drugs <laughs> and that's the irony in the entire situation you know <laughs> sorry i had to left a wide open head so just say no kids just, just say, no. say no i feel like we should make that a shirt 
and see if just anybody say gets no. it. I had I think that they shirt. already made that no, shirt. It needs to have it was I think Nancy Reagan owned that. Yeah, it was dare. It has to be a skillet, like just a picture of a skillet. And it just says, just say no. Like that's all you say. You just say they, no to cooking your own breakfast. Or to see, like that murder. That actually works for multiple audiences because it it's could true. also work for people who like Disney and especially love Tangled. I mean, uh -huh. it could be all the things, guys. Because she whacks him in the face with a cast iron skillet. Anyway, <sighs> I've never understood that. She hits him with a cast iron skillet in a Disney movie dead. and he doesn't die. He should be dead. Maybe that's, <laughs> I watch that's that. why it's a I Disney movie. I want to watch that Disney movie. <laughs> I want to watch that Disney movie where she hits him with the iron skillet and, and then dies. he dies. And how she get out of that? Like, does she talk her way out of it and be like, I'm just a princess. I needed rescuing. I don't know. I mean, would anyone ever know because he was already wanted and she was in a tower? I, I, this is, I'm not going to lie. This is a movie I've not seen. <laughs> I'm just waiting for the live action Bambi version where we see the mom get shot. Oh, no. <laughs> No, that movie traumatized me. Like, I don't care. Kill people, whatever. You kill a fucking animal and I will come at you. I will come at you. What's that meme with the horse, Kim? The horse movie that a horse or you beat a dead horse. The horse is already dead, so you can't beat it twice. What was that? Yeah. I don't know. I live, I live by Capitol Hill and there's something going on. <laughs> Oh yeah, there's so much going on in Capitol Hill right now. There's there's like actually like I've been getting texts throughout this being like I don't know what's going on, but something's going on. And I just heard a sound. So I don't know. There was a bright cool. light. <laughs> just, there's a bright light. There was uh it sounded like a gunshot, but you know it was probably just stay in your nice your nice um apartment my with ninth your like floor apartment. Yeah, it's beautiful. With my fluffy, fluffy kitty. <laughs> with your crazy cats and your haunted doll. Cat. Cat, just one now. Oh, yeah, I that. didn't hear that. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's okay. it's okay. It was about a year ago, so it's fine. Um, why didn't <laughs> anyway. you tell me? Anyway, I, I did. I posted about it all over the socials. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a bad friend, everyone. This is what we're learning on this podcast. It's fine. <laughs> it's we're very sad, but also it, it was over a year ago, so I'm 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 better now. <laughs> Good. Okay. <laughs> um. So then the caller after stabbing him incorrectly um took 57 dollars, which is about 240 dollars in today's money which so it's like rich. crazy that's 50 <laughs> years ago and that's a huge amount of difference god that was 50 years ago holy that was shit 50 years ago or almost 50 years ago yeah okay, 50 years ago but yeah yeah 40 43 uh, years 43 okay so 40 years ago um and he also took Veril's mastercard his passport and his some passport. clothing yeah and yeah. then so here's where the question becomes a question because uh bateson was known to be seen at a bat a bathhouse later mm -hmm. that night yeah so either he was the one who did it and to get his mind off of what he did went to a bathhouse or it was someone else right i mean he he definitely said later that he did not make the phone calls to bell and that um anything he would later confess to were things mm. that he'd read in the village voice. Okay. Um, Which is fair. Um, when you're under a lot of duress and you're being coerced, you will oh, yeah. say a lot of things. Yeah. There's, there's, a, there's a huge problem with the way confessions are obtained. Um, yeah. Well, we talked about this. We've talked about this on a couple of our episodes, but mm. uh, it was one of the arguments that um, for the DeFeo murders that, that he talked about 
being coerced in the confessions. And, yeah, and, completely. Yeah. So um, <sighs> the caller did say um, that he wanted to atone for his sin, mm-hmm. uh, which Arthur Bell took as a reference to the fact that the person might be Jewish because this happened during Yom Kippur. Huh. That's interesting. Uh, which is the but day it's also atonement. just a thing people say. It's true. So like that's a something as a, was just, as a retired Catholic. That's the kind of shit that I would have said when I was still doing Catholic. Honestly, that could have been Arthur Bell being anti-Semitic. Um, Boo. Boo. Just because you're an LGBT activist doesn't mean that you can't be other things too. Um, uh, the caller did say they wanted to atone for their sins, but I don't want to get quote unquote, but I don't want to give myself up. I wouldn't be able to practice again. I'd lose my license. He loses license. That's what was said on the phone. That's interesting. Yeah. So whoever it was, he was questioned further. Wouldn't say license to do what? Yeah. That could be a lot of things. It could be a lot of things. Hmm. Um, and then so this was all published in the village voice he wrote out this entire thing no names he just said the caller because at that point there wasn't a name that they had connected to it Mm -hmm. um he went to the police told the police everything um which every time i read someone goes to the police right now i'm just like why bad idea (laughs) just deal with it yourself handle it (laughs) it'll be better but that's also that's a very contemporary way of looking at things exactly um so the police said (laughs) so the police said okay if he called once he's going to call again let's do a stakeout at your place so that we can record the call um so they went to bell's place bugged the phone whatever they do um waited till 11 30 p.m that night and they got a call but it wasn't the same caller it was someone that arthur bell then named mitch um, although, let me see if I wrote down the guy's name. Um, do, do, do. It was like, I think it was Richard or Robert or something like that. The The mm, real guy's okay. name is in, um, I believe it's on the, I did it for Jody website. Okay. okay. Um, but he, um, but Bell called him Mitch. And he said that he had met Paul Bateson when they were both at St. Vincent's Hospital, quote unquote, drying out several months prior. Um, And that Bateson had used pseudonyms and he wasn't sure if his real name was Paul Bateson. But um, apparently, according to this person, Paul Bateson had called him previously that day and confessed to everything because he was the only person he felt would um 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 um, understand him and what he was going through i have strong feelings about i apologize for the sirens i'm sorry i was whatever sirens happen especially right now (laughs) now. um i have strong feelings about people who say that someone confessed to them. Oh, raising your hand and pointing the finger at the other person saying they'll give you the answer? (laughs) But Goody Proctor danced naked in the woods. Wait, what? With the devil, you know, Goody Proctor. Oh, yeah. She's a witch, (laughs) she's a witch. No, it's- Does she float? (laughs) (laughs) Because Paul Bateson does. (laughs) We all float down here. We all float here. Uh, 
no, I have I have really strong feelings when it comes to um, eyewitnesses in general are very unreliable, but they are. Um, testimony like that is notoriously unreliable. Yeah, but that's what the police went on. Um, of course they did. <laughs> they went to the police went to his apartment, found him there completely drunk and laying on the floor. Well, that's on brand. Yep, picked him up and um, put him away or like put him in holding to figure out what was going on so they could question him. Uh, Bateson later pled not guilty, um, which doesn't seem, I don't know, at least today, a lot of people will plead guilty because if they do, they get some kind of like a, a oh, making deal. A, a making a deal. That's a huge thing. Like, yeah. um, we'll get less time. One of my... One of my closest friends is a public defender and mm. and that becomes a huge part is that she has people who will plead guilty to something they didn't do because uh, they can't afford the bail money and it's yep. a matter of like i can either sit in jail for god knows how long and maybe be found guilty or i can plead guilty to something and get off fairly yeah lightly yeah um but he pled not guilty mm -hmm. um and then he ended up being convicted yeah. Um, after four days. So the trial uh, was in 1979 uh -huh. and he was convicted after four days of deliberation on March 5th. Right. This was, this was back during the real like speedy trial time, <laughs> like actual. Um, so before he was sentenced, yes. um, Arthur Bell went to Rikers to interview Pateson um, just to kind of corroborate stories before writing another article because, you know, it might be good to, like, check your sources in person occasionally. You know, that's that's a good thing. Yeah. Um, and at the end of that article, um, I'm going to read it directly out of the Village Voice. This is October 31st, 1977, page 9. Um, Bell wrote, as I prepare to leave, he says he wishes he could go home with me. Strange, eerie feelings. This is the man who admitted to killing someone I knew. Yet, if we had met six weeks ago, if the proposition had been made in a bar instead of a prison, I'd have said, you're on. Dang. So it's like we're in kind of a Truman Capote kind of a situation here of like, I think eventually Bell was just kind of enamored with Bateson the person mm -hmm. and forgot that he was actually a person. Hmm. Um, so, so yeah, so Bateson was sentenced in, on March 5th, 1979, um, and he was sentenced to 20 years to life, um, but with the possibility of parole. Hmm. Um, there were several people during this whole time who were, who were, um, like there was Matt Miller, who was a writer for Esquire, tried to find evidence of the serial killings, um, but all of the evidence was either lost or missing. The transcripts from the court case were gone. Conveniently. Conveniently. Because like, um, I've been able to access court files from much earlier cases. So many people, yeah. So to me, it's real suspicious. That from 1979? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. We should no, have that's that. Bullshit. That should be That's bullshit. That's 70, 76. 79 was when he was oh was when this trial was convicted okay. yeah, yeah 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 um yeah that's some bullshit and then so because of all of this going on 
um, there was a book written by Gary something or other named. I, should, I didn't write his name down. Ridge, I should have. Ridgeway? Was it no, Ridgeway? no, 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 no. You sure? You sure? I'm Ridgeway. very sure. It could have been. But there Ridgeway. was a book called Cruising. Um, oh, well, there's the about, movie with Pacino in it. Well, that was the movie was based on yeah. the book. So the book was about. Bad movie. It's a terrible movie. Awful movie. I have seen it. If it's you, so bad. If you can find it, good luck if you can find it. If you can find it, watch it just to see how terrible it is. I was going to say, watch it while drunk, though. That's not a movie anyone should watch. Sober. Or high or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Pick, um, your, pick your boys in. But it's, so it's about an undercover cop who goes into leather bars to try to suss out a serial killer who is killing gay men in 1970s Greenwich Village. It's available for free on Voodoo. Ooh, That's how you know it it's really good. That's how you know it's quality. <laughs> um, and it stars Al Pacino as the undercover cop. And of course it does. watching him in the leather bar scenes is the most awkward thing I've ever seen. I mean, he's got the cute little hat, though. <laughs> yeah, he does. Um, and it was such a bad movie. Arthur Bell actually got a copy of the script that had been leaked to him and he read it before the movie was released. They staged all sorts of protests at all of the theaters, um, where it was to be released, trying to get people not to go see it. And as far as I can tell, it kind of worked and no one really cared about it. And went yeah, to. it kind of tanked, even yeah. though it was made by Friedkin who yeah. also made the exorcist and it was such a big deal. Um, but the exorcist was good <laughs> isn't it interesting though that he was technically in the exorcist and then the dude who made the exorcist made that's why he that made the about movie it? about that's it. why he made the movie yeah that's so, crazy. Was so he was so confused by the whole situation friedkin also visited him in rikers yeah um it's like the jinx though you get something in your head you have to do something about it yeah. so you know i i get it like there's there's cases where if I had a chance to talk to the person involved and then maybe make a movie about it, I would. No question. I mean, who was it that you were talking about on another episode that you uh, became pen pals with? I'm not <laughs> pen pals. Bind, torture, ETK kill. sends you one letter and the next Wait. thing you know. No. Noted. The letter is very long and handwritten. Well, and kind of What's crazy. He gonna, he's in solitary. Know, he's, he's not going to... But it's, I know. kind of, there are definitely some people that I would like to write letters I to. I love, speaking, it makes me happy though, you know? Speaking of writing letters to people in prison, right mm -hmm. now in today's current political climate, there are still many Black Panthers who are arrested in the 60s and 70s who are still mm -hmm. in prison for such. Write them letters, be kind to them, encourage them, yes. and let them know that we're doing everything to get them out. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, um, Bateson became eligible for parole in 1997 after 24 years and three months in prison. Um, he was released on August 25th, 2003, so two days before my 13th birthday. Uh, <laughs> happy birthday to me! Happy birthday! You're a man now, Bateson's loose. Um, <laughs> and him, and him, because he was... Yeah, it was the day after his birthday that he was released. Birthday um, And then he, he finished his parole successfully in 2008 um, and disappeared. Wait, what? Like He disappeared. Well, I mean, this was pre-internet. So, I was, mean, like, pre-actual like actual internet. And not, yeah. I mean, was Facebook was around, but not many people were, like, actually super active on it. No, yeah, it wasn't. Um, Facebook wasn't a thing. There was some information that he was living on Staten Island for a while. 
Um, well, and and somebody with his social security number died yeah, in 2012. So the, so. the social security death index shows that a Paul F. Bateson with the same birth date and a social security number that was issued in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Remember I said it was important. That's where he was um, from. Died on September 15th, mm-hmm. 2012 in 2012. upstate New York. And that, that would match with... Uh, everything yeah. we know and and i mean even in terms of age like that kind of matches and honestly track. if he hadn't done it i don't i don't blame him or even if he did do it i don't blame him for wanting to disappear and not oh, have people no, trailing no. him and asking for interviews all the time for sure no that's if 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 you got out of prison i imagine you're gonna put your nose to the ground and keep a low profile especially for yeah. someone who it was their one and only offense and um well and, and even in that offense. who said yeah i was gonna say alleged offense um yeah there's a lot we don't know about this case and i find that very and frustrating honestly he may have done it and was just really drunk and high when he did he it doesn't remember yeah and he doesn't remember all those poppers. um there were two his <laughs> don't do poppers kids don't do poppers if you're gonna do them, jalapeno. do them very 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 carefully just keep um, them jalapeno style. Jalapeno poppers. <laughs> and don't do G. Just don't do G. Don't do not do it. Um, and don't do meth. Just be, Don't do just drugs. Careful. Remember, this is your brain on drugs. Drugs are bad. Okay. Drugs Especially bad. not caffeine. That's the worst drug. Um, Shit. <laughs> Kim screwed so much. I'm fucked. Um, fucked. There were to bolster the fact that Bateson didn't do it. There were two murders after he was arrested um of course one one on september 26th of that year and one on september 30th um both with the same modus operandi both were bludgeoned and, and stabbed did they ever find out um, who I mean, committed those crimes no um, well, i mean like honest to god there is literally nothing outside of the fact that he was gay and the people murdered were gay to tie him to those murders. Yeah, and honestly, he may have gotten a drink from Addison Verrill. He may have hung out with him all night. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean he necessarily went home with him or stayed with him that night or had sex yeah. with him. Could have been someone else. Um, he, I'm sorry, you look at a picture of him, he looks like half of the guys that go to leather bars. Well, and there's just, again, there's, there's such, there's been such an alarming, not just lack of evidence, but lack of evidence that's been preserved. Um, I don't want to say that he didn't commit any of these murders because I don't know. There's, there's the fact that I can't even get a hold of the trial transcripts. Yeah. Like, my God. Um, well, I think what was going on was the police were seeing all of these murders and they wanted yeah. to put someone away for them well, so yeah. that people would stop bugging it's, them It's about a Wayne it. Williams. It's Atlanta child murders. Like, you can argue whether or not oh, Atlanta child murders. I'm, oh. I'm bad at Vivian. This one's Vivian. really, really well known. I'm learning. I'm learning. It's, <laughs> it's, this one's relevant currently, though, because okay. let's let's be generous and say that maybe Wayne Williams killed a couple of these kids Mm -hmm. there is no way if for no other reason that they don't all fit the pattern and yet the police based solely on the fact they caught a guy a black guy because they were black children and people were Mm -hmm. ignoring it um stopped investigating period i mean sounds like the oj case stopped investigating and Eh. um it's 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 maddening it's yeah yeah and there's also um 
Well, there's an HBO documentary series about it that you can watch that yeah. will give you more information. I mean, there's books. There's, there's books, there's, yeah. Um, why can I be selective in the podcast? Because there's there's some that you should avoid. <laughs> a show that I love that I can't remember the name of it, but it takes place in the 70s with... Uh, Mind Hunter. Thank you. Mind Hunter. Mind Hunter. Well, this, so, and this case popped up on Mind Yeah, that's what it I was going to say. Season two. Yeah, yeah so I if you're familiar with that show, that's the case that they're talking about. And the reason it's so upsetting is because there's like no one doing anything the second about season. it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, the second season focuses on the land of child murders. But this case. The oh, Paul, then yeah, I totally Bateson, know what you're talking about. I Paul need to Bateson go back Bateson is and... interviewed in Mindhunter. I mean, yes, he's he quote unquote interviewed. Interviewed. Like the, um, an actor playing him is interviewed. So I did want to mention the names, as far as we know, of the other deaths that surround yeah. this yeah, yeah, yeah. whole thing mm-hmm. um as as far as we know we know the names of one two three four five six seven eight nine mm-hmm. of them the ones who were bludgeoned and stabbed in their apartments there are the six unidentified bodies that were in right. bags that still are unidentified that's so crazy um yeah. but the eight that we know of were ronald cabo who is 29 and was an activist Donald McNiven, who was 40, John P.W. Beardsley, who was 53, and Donald and John were murdered in the same apartment, same night. So it was mm-hmm. possible that they were, they were uh, connected in, in some way. They were connected in some way, may have been a relationship, it may have been some kind of a three way. Mm-hmm. Um, Robin Barrero, 23, who was another activist. Nelson Roberts, who was 32. See, to me, that's a bigger th- through line then <laughs> is that there were a lot of outspoken a, gay a activists. lot of outspoken gay activists being murdered why aren't we looking yep. at that uh, tony lee who was a drag queen whose kind of catchphrase was the china doll oh i saw um, that one yeah i couldn't i couldn't find her her age mm. um but she was murdered right before addison verrill and no one really talks about it mm-hmm. um ronald newcomb 23 was one of the two that were murdered after Bateson was arrested and then Kai Hansen was the other one and he was 33 Mm. Um, and none of those were ever solved those were the only those were the other ones that they suspected Bateson of but there's one that you left out and it's the one that made me so sad because you know I generally am not a fan of people Um, (laughs) it's the, the poodle there was a oh, poodle that was I didn't want to bring that up because there was I didn't want to. Yeah, yeah, he was, killed a poodle. He drowned the, a poodle in, in the sink. The apartment with Donald and John, one was killed in the living room. I think the other was in the, the bedroom and the poodle was drowned in the bathroom. Isn't that so sad? I mean, I know it's really just sad that like the a, people died too, but just, I had to bring up the poodle. Just as It was just kind of a final fuck you in that whole situation. Yeah. Um, they may not have been related. They may have been related. Like I said, they were all the exact same. Um, I don't want to keep saying modus operandi. The the same um, calling card, the same signature. They were all bludgeoned over the head and stabbed. So it would make sense that Addison Verrill would have been part of that person if it was all the same person doing all of them. Yeah. Um, but then... The, the ones that just really bog, bother me are the, the quote-unquote fag in a bag murders that they never looked into them, they never cared. Still um, unsolved. 
as far as still insult and it's, it's not fair yeah. you have someone who you feel like you can pin them on so you're like that's good enough yeah that's fully what happened and that's mad meanwhile people's families don't know if their kids are just disappeared or if they're part partly involved or well, the, I mean, the thing was they were all living in Greenwich Village in the 70s, and that was not a very, um, I mean, we're told it wasn't a very savory place. I'm guessing it was a great place. It just, people said that because it was, was the gay say, place. Yeah. Who, whose definition of savory? Um, yeah. That's an opinion. But yeah, you're completely right that there were, that there are parents out there, there are siblings out there, there's family out there that never found out what happened to their child or their nephew or brother or sister they just disappeared one day just gone yeah and the police still still refused to investigate so in this era of defunding the police maybe we should start digging up some of these these cases and re like i'm we have so much technology now it's true it's if like we could what? find if we could find any of that evidence anywhere, I mean, it has to be somewhere. That's, I doubt it's been destroyed. That's the bigger problem is, is um, well, I mean, what I will say, like, uh, is something Seattle used to do is that, um, this was pre-computers, if a case was listed as closed within five years, they used to destroy all the records. That's so stupid. And I mean, this was in the 30s and 40s and pre that, but it, yeah. it means that we have some cases where they're closed because at the time it seemed like it was pretty straightforward and we can look back now and be like it's not as straightforward as we thought. I mean what we're finding out now is that things like eyewitnesses accounts aren't viable. Oh yeah. yeah, That audio recordings, video recordings, um, fingerprints, Mm -hmm. all of these things aren't viable evidence anymore. The only real viable evidence is DNA but even that and even that is if early like the early dna issues that you know that was very fallible um well in the same way like the the hair evidence has been a big one that's been brought up more recently because mm-hmm. we used to or any kind of fibers fibers and hair well and that that was uh you gotta look up atlanta child murders man like i will <laughs> you gotta do that do that homework it's, it's well it, it's also it's maddening for a lot of reasons yeah. because you're dealing with you know 30 children mm-hmm. murdered and by that point they were getting so much pressure that they pinned it on somebody and again i i, I what era was that in uh this was the late 70s, i was gonna 80s. say yeah it was in the so late around, 70s i believe so around johnny gosh around that um, same time period uh, uh, around that same time period um but the, one of the big reasons why this was such um well this was a I say this was a little pre-Johnny Gosh because this was uh because that was like 82, I think. It's, it it's 1979 to 81. To 81, yeah. And that's when they um when they arrested um uh Wayne Williams. But um I mean there's even things like there was some girls Yeah, John, you're right. Johnny Gosh disappeared 82. I love my dates. Uh, <laughs> I'm terrible with dates. <laughs> I I am sometimes, and then eight, I was. Oh God, I was born in '82, so. Well, you know. technically, there were two on, murders that uh, he was he was accused of killing two people in 1980. Bateson. Right. No. Um, oh. William, oh, the Williams. No, Wayne Williams. He they got yeah. him on two. Yeah. Two of over well, thirty. Part. I mean, part of that 
I know that one of the arguments for that, and I'm, this isn't me playing devil's advocate or anything. This is just me making sure that people know some of this stuff. Um, part of that is when there's a suspected serial killer, they will only charge someone with one or two well, of the deaths so that- Because it the, lets them keep doing it. Because yeah, if the case falls through but and they, they're found not guilty, they can keep retrying. But yeah. in, this, in this case, because what they had is all of these children who were disappearing, but you have in this, you have ones that don't fit the MO. Like mm. most of the victims were boys, but you had a handful of girls they roped in. Well, that was probably not the same killer. Yeah. They had some older boys, like they had a 27 year old that they rope in with that. They have, that doesn't fit the MO. No. That's different. And they yet, were just trying to cover some tracks. They were trying just... to cover tracks. So when they arrested him, they just stopped. They pinned Ugh. it on him and they stopped. So I'm not even arguing whether or not, like that's a whole other argument, whether or not he's guilty. That's one argument. Mm -hmm. But the fact that they stopped doing the work on all of these other murders when they were not committed by the same person is utterly appalling. Mm -hmm. it's yeah. Just and that happens so often. And it I think it's so often. I think it's worth noting specifically with um, the 15 murders that we just discussed. Right. Um, all the way up through the 90s with Marsha Johnson. And I'm mm -hmm. sure there are so many others um, that are still unsolved we still do not know who killed marcia p johnson yeah. there's there's, and there's still a lot of people who look at it rumors that people say that it was either suicide but most of her close mm -hmm. friends and family say that's absolutely not what happened there are rumors that it was a mafia hit um yeah. because she was really working against a couple of the mafia families in new york right. i don't think that's really true um especially when you find out that the, that stone wall at that time was owned by the Genovese um, mob family. Oh, was it really? I didn't know that. It was um, because uh, the head of the, the family's ex-wife was a lesbian and she wanted a safe place to, oh. um, to party basically. So she bought the stone wall. Um, so I doubt that it was a mob hit if there was a mob family that loved Marsha. Like, <laughs> Interesting. Um, but suffice it to say, there are a lot of, specifically in New York, specifically in Greenwich Village, there are so many murders that have never been um, looked into that were just left out to dry. Um, and that's why I wanted to do this episode, especially this month, um, and especially right now in the current political climate, mm. while we're trying to, because not all of those people were white. Yeah, um, yeah a good portion of them were not um that's the double whammy you can that's, you know police absolutely. look the other way both because they weren't white but also because um they're, they're gay. gay i mean jeffrey and, dahmer yeah oh god it was, it was all little gay uh latin boys little latin boys who i that's a that's a case that man you read about you just get mad like anytime yeah. i'm reading about him i actually have to like read it in chunks because i get I get really, really angry. I mean, you and I have had that conversation about, yeah. um, I find, I think that case was the one where I first started seeing psychopaths as humans, which sounds weird. No, like, I mean. Uh, I think, I think that's something that's left out a lot in that they're still humans. They're still humans. Who when, have a different, who have a brain. Dahmer is a really. Going wrong. Dahmer is a, a 
he, he, I hate to say that he's a different case, but he really was kind of a unique case when you're looking at serial killers because, um, his motivation was a little different. His motivation uh, is so sad. His motivation was sad. Uh, and I mean, you take out, you take out that he, he was killing people. Like you, you go back to the very basic emotion underlying everything that he did. Right. And it was, I want someone to love me. You can't group someone like Dahmer in with someone like Bundy. No, um, not no. at all. It's very different. It's very different. It is not an excuse and it's not justification. No, no, no. It's just saying. <laughs> Coming from I, a I different perspective. What, yeah, I, I think in general, especially the more you start to look into serial killings and spree killings and mass killings and, and the people behind them, um, the more we start to see the differences between them. It, it's why there's so many different classifications beyond just like the word serial killer is is almost simplistic in that respect mm -hmm. uh, because we apply that broadly. Yeah, and I mean, it was a term that was created in the 70s. Yep. Like, My we can update it. <laughs> we can well, update it's, that. It's, it's not even saying that the term has to be updated, but I think what has been updated since then is, is we have a lot of different uh, designations. We have a lot of different ways. I mean, even just like organized versus unorganized killer, we have ways of differentiating the different kinds of killers. And the more we learn, the more we start to understand why each one is different. The motivations are different. And so it, we we throw around the term serial killer and psychopath or two f terms that get just mm. a, a, attached to people and it's it's simplifying it's being it, yeah. it's it's looking at something that's a lot more complex than that because there is not one set of motives that each of these killers has in common and women kill differently than men kill differently than sexual killers kill differently mm. than than ones who are i mean like it's a very complex thing and i i think it's something that even like as as people who do a lot of true crime podcasting um i think we sometimes boil it down to these more simplistic ways of looking yeah. at something well and i think there's also something to be said for understanding that just because you're a psychopath doesn't mean you're evil um they did some That's studies true. they did some studies recently where they i think it was with all of the made all of the ivy league schools um participated in a study on psychopathy and one of the professors mm -hmm. i believe from yale was part of the control group and found out that he was a psychopath. He didn't have mirror neurons. Yeah. But, yeah. Be, which is what led them to the fact that it's not just nature versus nurture, it's also timing. And mm -hmm. he didn't have those traumatic experiences happen when they needed to happen in order for his brain chemistry to change. That's so and interesting. And so he couldn't, yeah, so he couldn't like emotionally relate to humans to humans that was wrong <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's... <laughs> he couldn't emotionally relate to other people but it w didn't mean that he was going around hurting people or right. like intentionally killing people well and that's also where you start to look at how much circumstances can play into why somebody does what they do and i'm, I'm gonna pimp out a book yay come on pimping it's out really books creepy critics uh, gonna creepy critics gonna <laughs> <laughs> um serial murderers and their victims okay. uh it's by eric hickey and this is i think the one i have is the seventh edition um there have been many editions of this book yeah uh but for those of you who are interested in getting a little bit more in depth about the different kinds of serial killers about uh profiling about why they do what they do i mean there's a lot of really amazing books you can read on this subject this is one that i have found to be 
particularly of interest because they go in depth in a way very few books have for me about differentiating between the different kinds of killers, looking at motivations, looking at profiles, uh, and because they're constantly updating it. Yeah. So like I have the seventh edition. They they learn new things. They update this book. As they so, should. Yeah. As they should. It's it's I mean it's not cheap. It's it's a textbook, basically. <laughs> it's uh it's used in it was recommended to me by somebody who is uh uh works in 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 um criminal psychology and and forensics and profiling and stuff well and i think this is one area where we can use this as an example of what is meant when people say defunding the police because this isn't police doing this yeah. kind of work and it's yeah. it's never been police who have been um finding serial killers and seeking yeah. them out and finding murderers it's always been detectives it's been psycho uh, psychologists and, and, psychiatrists and the fbi honestly the and the fbi units and yeah but the, yeah. the fbi understood that they needed to have a non- confrontational group working on that so they created the behavioral sciences unit in order to and they partner learn. with uh psychologists and they partner exactly. with um uh, people who are in the know and part of it is is again looking to better understand so that we can better uh, for me it's also you know like early intervention yeah how can we stop this before it becomes how can we stop somebody before That's they what become a serial killer I mean, that's the thing that most people don't understand is most crime is preventable. Yeah. It's almost and like that Netflix show that Kim won't watch. Uh, don't fuck with one? cats. Because I don't, because oh, I I don't want to hear that. about it. Well, to be honest with you, I haven't watched it either because animals. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I, I know what it's about. Don't fuck with cats. So the, I, I know Tiger somebody King, fucks with cats. The, the premise, <laughs> I know that somebody fucks with cats and I'm not okay Well, with here's it. the thing. The premise of it is it shows a person... It, like filming Fucking with a cat like killing a kitten and putting it on the internet and it's the saddest thing but it's like that's that behavior is what you're talking about that's what you need yeah. to stop it's completely and then it preventable leads to like it's from what i've seen obviously i haven't watched i just know like the summary that i've heard and like clips that i've seen but it's basically yeah. showing that he then goes on to kill people and films that mm -hmm. and puts that on youtube and it gets flagged right and it just shows the progression yeah. of like how but then on top of that from yeah from, it like, shows from, like, it shows that people in facebook groups were the ones who sussed out who it was and ended up being able to apprehend him yes like people that are not also actually also interesting exactly. interesting side note interesting tidbit for all the information horrors at home um so we used to use something called the mcdonald triad to mm -hmm. try to spot serial killers it's not uh, it's it's not a way that you can it's not great uh we it's know more now, useful it's more useful in in finding kids who are being abused than it yes, is for finding yes there's an killers. early detection of something is messed up mm -hmm. and the mcdonald triad uh is that children who are in bad situations they are wetting the bed till quite late and by quite late i mean like 11 12 13 uh they are setting fire to things and they are mutilating small animals yeah interesting to note however is that female serial killers they because to be fair most serial killers do start with mutilating animals that is fairly universal because it doesn't you're mean practicing because <laughs> you're practicing but it also doesn't mean that every person who's ever mutilated an animal you poured salt in a slug doesn't mean you're gonna become a serial killer and that's one of the problems with looking at the mcdonald triad as yeah. the like be all end all test but girls skip that step girls don't mutilate animals no nope. they go straight to people yep. interesting what was the what was the name of the little girl 
Mary Bell. Mary Bell. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's a fun story. Our friend Mary Bell. Yeah, no. Oh, God. That, talk about somebody who grew up in fucked up circumstances, though. Yeah, no kidding. At early intervention. She killed uh, two toddlers. And because she was 12, 11, 12, um, wasn't good at it. They caught her. <laughs> yeah. Well, she was a kid. She was a kid. And she, but like, she acted like a grown up in the sense that she did all the things grown ups like returning to the scene of the crime mm -hmm. and drawing pictures about it. It's and almost she... like it's just a human thing to do, not an adult thing to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, but again, you look at her background. This was a horrifically abused little yeah. girl. By the time she was two years old, her relatives talked about the fact that she was dead in her eyes because she grew up in such no i i i did a i i i gabby you were there i, I did a, I i'm did laughing because i think that was my favorite quote of the whole thing was that she's dead could you imagine eyes. being a parent and look at their their your child and be like mm. oh no <laughs> mom was the problem yeah. mom yeah. was the one mom was a, was a sex worker and there's a lot of evidence to suggest that mom was pimping pimping her child out oh. and her and i'm not saying not a teenager a child yeah this is a kid who would get left with relatives who would beg their her mother to let them keep her because she had so many problems and mom would then come back and see take this back. is the thing especially in terms of like this sort of crime mm -hmm. children will tell you what's going on children will tell you what they need and up till this point, adults, I don't think, really cared. Like, Mary Bell asking to not stay at home. No, she no, no. Mary Bell, was... Mary Bell never asked to not stay at home. Like, this oh. is, I, I'm going to respectfully disagree with you. Okay. Um, the people trying to intervene were her relatives. Her mom, like, I, her mom is somebody who should not have had a child. Mm. And, um. But it was probably, it was in an era where that was kind of the only choice, really. No, like she, I mean, again, she had people who would have taken the kid. That's true. She used the kid as a means of making money, messing with people. Like mom, yeah. mom had her own issues. Mm. But um, this is a child who was so horrifically abused. Runs in the family. So abused that yeah. there is, I don't think anyone could have grown up like she did and not done mm. the things she did by the time she was 11 years old. Yeah. Um, but she is also a child who was then released back into society in her 20s. They didn't know what yeah, to do with her. Yeah, I remember that. They yeah. didn't know what to do with her. And this they was changed her name, right? She has her her daughter and now her granddaughter have full protection. That's amazing. Uh, but this is also, this is the UK. The UK has a very different way of dealing with things. And um, she was it, also probably white. <laughs> Well, she was, but again, the UK <laughs> deals. Well, no, but the UK. I'm not saying the UK doesn't have racism. My God, but oh my God, um, but they deal like the UK doesn't do life in prison. The like 20 people or so who are serving actual life in prison are serial killers, like real serial killers, and I think jeremy bamber i think those are the there there is if you look it up there is a tiny tiny fraction of people who receive life in prison prison sentences there and actually get life in prison mm -hmm. where we're saying life in prison and not 25 years yeah um they they have a very different criminal justice i mean europe has a very different criminal justice. they do i mean i was just um i just shared earlier i think yesterday 
uh, statistic of Northern European countries mm -hmm. and how long it's been since their last police-involved shooting. Oh, it's I believe been... Norway was oh, 10 years. Yeah. yeah. Finland so is like 20 or 30 years. And then Iceland has had one in history. Like in yeah. time, in all of time. In, in, in all of time, Iceland had one. And I do know about that case. And it was because the suspect was shooting at the police. Of course. And one. the police shot back in self-defense and accident accidentally. Oh. It wasn't even purposeful. They accidentally oh. killed him. They were aiming to not kill him. And the country was so distraught over it. The leaders of the country were so distraught that they released a statement apologizing to the family. Oh my god! But you you also have Australia who has a mass killing and then bans assault rifles. Like I mean, true, but we're also um, talking about Australia where. Oh no! I'm not using that. I'm not using that as an example of not being racist or not having. I'm just saying, in terms of if you're looking specifically at at a. Yeah relationship with guns the united states has an unhealthy relationship with guns but oh, let's we have since the beginning let's look at you know in norway you have that mass killing that happened and that's actually been a thing that's been talked about because norway doesn't have a was a that the one country. was that the one on the island yeah that yeah. that that killed I mean, it injured over, what, 300 people? It killed something like... Like 50 what? or 60? No, like 70? It was over and it was, 70. And the only reason it was that bad was because it was on an island and he was dressed as a police officer, so oh no one God. thought anything about it. Well, and there was a... I mean, and it took forever for the actual uh, authorities. No, he... Yeah, he pretended he to... Yeah, he had a He had a bomb a, and he also shot people with a rifle and a pistol. Yeah. Well, um, awful. he had... Yeah, it was, it's crazy. It's a horrible case. However, he was given because, again, Norway has restrictions on how long somebody can be given a prison sentence. So I, uh, it's like 21 years. But it's something? because, but it's because those other countries, instead of focusing on incarceration and uh, oh, solitary confinement, right. they, they focus, focus on, on rehabilitation. rehabilitation and psychology. But it's also, so uncommon to have this kind of crime happen yeah. that they don't have to deal with it the way we do. That is not to say that Europe does not have serial killers because my God, does Europe have serial killers? But <laughs> which people don't, which, which it makes the me mad Ripper. actually. Well, God, Ripper, sure, fine, whatever. Um, <laughs> That's a you know, you know, you're too deep when you just pass on the Ripper. I mean, Kim's <laughs> always <laughs> deep. <laughs> <laughs> no, because the Ripper, I don't know. It's the Ripper doesn't hold a ton of interest for me for a lot of reasons. Uh because at this point he's he's reached legend. He's not a yeah. person. He's a he's lore. And I still think the police did it. <laughs> sure. What is the problem? Um I but, brought that up to the the person who led our our walking tour, our walking ripper oh tour. God, who was, go? She was ex MI5 and was one of the top people who was researching the Ripper case, which is why right. she knew so much about it. And I mentioned that yeah. to her and she was like, it wasn't the police. Yeah. <laughs> she roll her eyes at you. <laughs> no, she was really defensive about it. She was like, it wasn't the police. The police would never have done that. I was like, what? okay, girl. <laughs> there is I I mean again, this is this is a whole topic but, but um uh, non-american serial killers i'm fascinated by because we don't talk about them here like we should and yet there's some of you know americans have their Amer americans have 
like killing down to an art form. However, however, uh, there's some European killers. There's some, I mean, my God, um, uh, Pedro Lopez. <laughs> Anyone? Yeah, I've heard you Pedro mention Lopez? him before. Because he killed, he was sentenced for killing 100 girls. There's over 100 girls. But he could have, they think he killed upwards of 300. But again, like many countries, they have a limitation on how long somebody can be in prison. And so his current whereabouts are well, and, and even worse than all of this, I think it's worth mentioning that on the subject of um, unresearched, unknown deaths by the hundreds and thousands, mm-hmm. um, both the U.S. and Canada have extreme numbers of specifically Indigenous, indigenous. women mm-hmm. yeah. who are yeah. being Appalled. murdered and disappear and no one ever hears them again. No one ever hears and them. And neither governments are doing anything about it. It's, it is appalling. Well, I mean, again, that's where I, I look, I coming back to the Atlanta child murders. Um, one of the reasons why you look at that case and it's just so maddening is that you have dozens of children, dozens of children disappearing, dozens of bodies, mm-hmm. dozens, dozens. <laughs> Yeah. And the police are not doing anything. Well, and this is why I'm just going to keep bringing it back to this because it's so true. This is why defunding the police is so important right now and why creating new, um, new organizations and new cells within quote unquote law enforcement who overhauling, overhauling, yeah, overhauling the system and creating a way to have people on staff whose job it is to look into these things so instead of having groups of people who are only trained for 400 hours in how to shoot someone and absolutely absolutely instead of having them be the ones de-escalating situations and researching situations and trying to help it's people who are actually trained for hundreds of thousands of hours just to do this I, there's a really funny meme that I that I I think was circulating on Twitter of the whole. Well, if we defund the police, who's going to solve all the murders? Uh, and the answer I'm is internet. Uh, we are white the women true on crime podcasts. white women. Yeah. <laughs> well, and true to that, crime I, white point, I point people to podcasts like The Fall Line with Paul yep. Holes, yes. where that's literally what they do. He created yeah. a system of Great. civilians mm-hmm. who have we have so much time on our hands compared to detectives who were given specific training for specific bits and pieces and they say follow up on this and a civilian has the time to just sit there and click through wikipedia five million hours to find that one little quarantine you know yeah exactly Um, but you know you bring up a really interesting point and i love that you brought up paul holes because Mm -hmm. the whole Paul Holes and Hole. The whole deal with the, you know, the California, what was it called? Why am I having a The Golden State Killer. The Golden State State Killer. killer. Or the original Night Stalker. A lot of us learned about The fact that, like, Michelle McNamara partnered with Paul Holes and they got the whole ball rolling Mm -hmm. and they ended up catching him based on DNA that is now accessible today. Isn't it interesting, though, it's only because a bunch of white women died that they did that? Like, why aren't they doing that for the Atlanta child murders? 
why, well, why aren't they doing really that for the else. um I, I will people I will who were killed by police that we still are circulating their names who Be, because we know who arrested. killed them that's okay <laughs> we know who fair killed them, the police that's, killed them. that's that's true um so I'm, I'm gonna saying, throw like, what I am gonna throw out there is that and they are finally running into this and we knew they would um when they caught the Golden State Killer uh they are working via a loophole yeah in genealogical research right. and that is the police do not technically have access to the ancestry in 23 and me and whatever genealogists do yeah and so genealogist was the one who the police worked with right but and see that's are, smart what that's saying is we smart. need to have a section within the that but, course of genealogists but, and psychiatrists <laughs> but it's being challenged and we knew this would happen because it's an invasion yeah. of privacy because they again it's a legal loophole <laughs> like yeah but 23 and me has if you read all the legal disclaimers they say do, that the police might be looking through it but it is it is the only reason i'm saying this is that it is because this is brand new stuff it is it is being challenged a bit yeah. and and there is controversy about how the data was gathered i mean so, to be fair it was via he threw out some gum and they picked it up so once, but, that but has, once you throw it that, out that has been used multiple times before yeah, as soon oh, as yeah. you throw something out is no it's longer your property yours. ridgeway yeah. they they obtained a sample from ridgeway similarly i mean it's um, why you never drink the water if you are questioned in prison or take because they will take those fingerprints and never go crazy. Never take a but I mean, stupid. It's just it's so cool though. You bring up a good point that like so many people now are more involved, and I think it's kind of like mm. pulled back the blinders that have been up for such mm -hmm. a long time with you know just crime in general and how things are looked at. And I'm fingers crossed that like moving forward there will be some change in the way things function um yeah. just based on what's going on in the world right now but yeah i was pretty stoked Absolutely. to see the golden state killer get caught too oh yeah completely. That was a michelle mcnamara wasn't there to see it um and i'm really yeah i remember Pat oswald yeah. about it and he got it was it was emotional i know emotional. and yeah. if you that's another great book to read if you haven't read it michelle mcnamara i'll be gone in the oh, dark is a fantastic i'll be gone in the dark book. and if you can't read it there's a audiobook. really beautiful version of it on audiobook yeah. read that and actually paul holes has a book that he put out on audio yes on his audiobooks that are it's like a secondary it's also, version it's, of it's also it's also an actual book it's an audiobook and actual book who knew <laughs> it's like a book yeah book. it's like you can pick Whoa. it up and read it. with paper you know oh my god what's paper <laughs> what is paper um anyway like we've been talking for almost two hours and we definitely Holy derailed shit. quite a bit so no I'm so the sorry. derailment <laughs> is no the derailment was good because i wanted to be able to to wrap this around to current events and things like that cool. like yeah, that's necessary lovely tangents, um, I like where where can people find y'all online both individually and together well we have ghoulish tendencies podcast on instagram we have a website called ghoulish tendencies.com uh you can find all of our show notes and all of our social media there too we also have a facebook page it's ghoulish tendencies podcast we have a twitter it's called ghoulish podcast I think Ghoulish Podcast. Ghoulish podcast. Yeah, I think that, that sounds right. That's right. Yeah. And then we also have, um, we have 
Patreon for Ghoulish Tendencies podcast if you're feeling, you know, generous because nice. it takes a lot of time, as you know, to put together a podcast and oh, make yeah. it a thing. Um, but oh, right yeah. now we're actually asking that people don't donate to us and donate to Black Lives Matter causes and mm-hmm. anything totally. that will help people. Or, or pick a podcast like I, I pimped this our last yeah. uh, our last one, uh, which is Fruit Loops, which is a great podcast mm. uh, that specifically looks at serial killers of color. Yeah. And that's, that's amazing. We really want to help like elevate other other podcasts, other books, people, all yeah. that kind of stuff Completely. with whatever platform we have. So um, we actually have an episode coming out soon i'm not sure when this one's coming out for you but for us we have probably in the week or current week or so okay so then we're probably both gonna have podcasts coming out at the same time look at that yeah um but we do talk about that in our podcast episode too and give a couple more suggestions um Mm -hmm. i think that's everything for the podcast but like for me my my instagram is black gabbeth like black sabbath but with a g uh yeah my my i i do on twitter which is where i'm probably more active than i am on instagram because i'm a horror nerd uh and you can find me at seattle screams uh on instagram i'm at kim period douthit i think that sounds rightish uh there's only so many of us (laughs) look for lots of pictures of whiskey and fluffy cats yeah whiskey and cats that's pretty much what i post to my instagram uh i have another podcast too uh at city of geek uh where we talk about geeky type things yes and i this might not come out in time this sunday on the god what is this sunday the 14th the 15th i don't know what day of the week it is um sunday is the the 11th sunday is the sunday is the what Sunday the 14th, I am doing a tea and true crime on Belle Gunness. Yes, my favorite. Yes, who is a fantabulous female serial killer. So if you're interested in hearing me uh, give a little lecture and presentation on it, that is this Sunday at 4 p.m. And how can they find that? Pacific time. They can find that if they go to Spooked in Seattle. There you go. You will find all of my tea and true crimes at spookedinseattle.com. You can find out more information. We also have another podcast called A Ghost Stories, and it's kind of finalized. We we haven't updated that at all. It was our, our no, it was a one and done season. Yeah, it was our yeah. last life prior to ghoulish tendencies. But if you're curious about like ghost hunting and investigations and the Pacific Northwest, we do a lot of episodes. And also, as we learned how to record things, yes. Yeah, so our recordings on <laughs> ghoulish tendencies sound way better. Um, oh. But it's still a fun listen. So yeah, you can check that out. Perfect. And if you y'all want to subscribe to Yeah But, that would be amazing. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and SoundCloud. Um, and you can find us on Instagram at Yeah But Pod. That's but with two T's. P O D on Instagram. Um, you can find myself personally at the Gaborium on Instagram. Um, that is G A B O R I U M. It's the same on Twitter. Uh, it's the same on Venmo as well, if you would like to tip. Um, also, follow my <laughs> do Instagram. Do people do that? <laughs> Not yet, but I'm hoping. Fingers um, crossed. If you follow my Instagram, I will be posting. Um, I consistently have been posting ways to get involved with what is currently happening mm-hmm. um, via my story for the most part. But I do update that probably six or seven times a day. And then I post some things in my timeline as well. Um, also, as a 
something to look forward to in a couple of months. I do have a second podcast starting Mm -hmm. um, called Y2 Gay Reruns. That's a great name. (laughs) I love that name. Thank you. Um, Where, because I was homeschooled in the 90s and early 2000s, I didn't watch any of those shows. So we will be going back and each season will be a different TV show. And season one is based on Twin Peaks. Yes, I'm very excited. That'll be super cool. And that will be uh, hopefully by the beginning of August. I can sing the music for you in the background. Perfect. (laughs) The the non-copyrighted version. (laughs) I used to sneak down, my friends and I, this was when you could do this because this was a pre-9-11 world. Uh, We used to sneak down to the bottom of the falls yeah you can um, yes come on snow call me falls you can go yeah, to snow call you, me yeah thank you all for listening please tune in next time please subscribe if you're going to listen please download because numbers don't count unless you yeah. download and please leave a comment especially yeah, if it's a five-star review yeah, on itunes for us thank yeah, you for listening and we'll talk to you later bye yeah, Thank you for listening to Yeah But with Vivian Gabor. Tune in next week, same place, same time.